1: offering perspectives of hope through Jesus Christ. How does God build up a young man from Connecticut to become a pastor of a growing church in Massachusetts, a church that has a strong focus on missions? This is the story of Dr. Bruce Daggett. Jesus said in John 15, verse 4, Abide in me. And I in you. Bruce has taken these words to heart, and fruit has been born, fruit that will last. We pause here as we typically do to remind you the reason we have the Good Life radio program is to share how the love of Jesus Christ makes a difference in the lives of people. I'm talking about the love of Jesus so strong that he died on the cross for your sins. He was buried, yes, and three days later he rose again from the grave, offering God's hope. And it is our prayer that you, dear friend, if you don't yet know the Lord, you will open your heart to Jesus. As the Lord has touched Bruce's heart, you will soon hear. And turn from your way to God's way, that's called repentance, and follow him, follow Jesus, And if you already know the Lord, well, we believe you're going to be built up. And as we say in church language, edified. Dr. Bruce Daggett graduated from the University of Connecticut with a major in psychology. He earned his Master of Theology degree from Dallas Theological Seminary. While pastoring a church in Watertown, Massachusetts, he earned his Doctor of Ministry degree from Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. He is currently a co-pastor of Westgate Church in Weston, Massachusetts. He and his wife, Karen, a Spanish instructor at Boston College, raised two sons and have two granddaughters and one on the way. Bruce, welcome to our show.
2: It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I mentioned Connecticut, but where in Connecticut did you grow up? I well, grew up in Farmington, Connecticut, which is just west of West Hartford. Anyone going down Route 84 West uh, might see the Yukon Medical Center, and that's uh, the edge of Farmington. What was it like for you growing up there? Oh, Farmington uh, is a very singular culture, um, and there's, there's a very wealthy part of town, though, and then there's the part of town I lived in. And uh, it was just an easy, easy-going life, really.
1: Who would you say, in that easy-going life, influenced you most in your growing up years?
2: Well, I would say my, my brothers, David and Wayne, who were two years and four years older than me. So I would always tag along with them, and they they let me tag along.
1: Good brothers. <laughs> They're not always like that, right? To let the the little one follow along. How did you become a believer
2: in Jesus Christ? Well, it was a journey like everyone. Um, You know, I went to church and had a respect for God or had a respect for Jesus, but there was no connection to it at all. And then uh, my brother Wayne, he'd been a very rebellious teenager and he ran away from home, went to Haight-Ashbury, the height of the hippie, the center of the hippie world. And there he met Jesus, and he came back transformed. He used to be very angry, very self-centered, self-serving. But he came back peaceful. He came back wanting to serve people. He became fully engaged in his church and in studies. And he actually invited me. And for about two weeks, I went with him to church and the Bible studies. And I really f- sensed God's presence and what he was pursuing was very real. At the end of the two weeks, I made a decision that I was in college and having too much fun to follow his path. And so I did say, Lord, uh, knock on the door down the road sometime.
1: You're saying to the Lord to knock on the yeah, door, knock yeah. your heart at, at some point. Later.
2: later. Yes, yes. And uh surprised he didn't strike me down right then, but he didn't. And uh, my brother was killed in a motorcycle accident two years later. Wayne? Wayne was. And so I didn't have that connection spiritually, but I had what he had brought me through in my, in my heart. And so I always would actually tell people, well, one day I'm going to, to to God I'd even say I'm a Christian but I'm not a Christian like my brother and in my last year of college I just had this period of free floating anxiety and it just stymied me completely and so I thought I would need help I need to either get psychological help or you know God would be less expensive so let me try him first and so I went out And just prayed and i said god uh you know i'll I'll have a i got a deal i'll i'll uh i'll go to church every week if you take this anxiety from me and it was as though the lord spoke to me says bruce you don't keep your deals with me and i said okay lord then then what and the thought came to my mind well My brother was engaged with other Christians. He was part of Bible study. He was part of this thing called fellowship. And that's what you need to keep you on track. And so I said, okay, God, I got a new promise. I'll go to the next activity I see in the campus newspaper. And I was at the University of Connecticut at the time. And it was like God saying, okay. And so the next day I go in and I I look at our campus paper and there's this prayer meeting of Christian group at the church on campus and so i said okay i'll I'll go lord and the anxiety was relieved and then i said well i'm not going to go to that bible study i feel better (laughs) and so as i was finally crossing campus and i was torn do i take a left to go to my car or a right to go toward that church and i finally just said okay lord all i promised was one one activity one thing i'll go to this one thing and I went to this prayer meeting and it was being held by crew. And one of the men there th- who th- kept, you know, thought I was with the navigators or another group, because why does a non-Christian go to a Bible, uh, prayer meeting? And he was just moved by the Lord to say, talk to him. And he just asked me, you know, uh, where I was it in the spiritual journey, he could discover I wasn't there. And he said, have you ever heard of the four spiritual laws? I accepted Christ, immediately was discipled by him, and that was the transformation in my life.
1: What was his name?
2: It was uh, John Marsenick. Uh, John yes. Marsenick. John Marsenick, yeah. He heard uh, the, the voices. He heard the voice
1: of the Lord directing him to you, and what does...
2: You By the way, there, it's an interesting uh, aside, is two months later, the director of crew asked me why, how I ended up at the prayer meeting. And I said, well, I saw it in the campus paper. And he said, I never put it in the campus paper. And I said, I never saw it again. That was the only time it was ever in there. And he said, well, one of the other staff members might have, must have put it in there without me knowing. But that was the only time it was ever in. Hmm. How did Wayne's passing influence you? Well, uh, it's interesting. I had a, a conversation with one of my, my roommates. I should say, as impact you. Impact you. Yeah. As, as um, we were riding home after the funeral, riding back to our apartment, and he said, boy, it's times like this that you merely question the existence of God. And I thought about that for a moment and I said, yes, it does times like this. But when I really go deep inside myself and ask, begin to question the existence of God, I really believe that I only question the existence of God because if there is a God, I'm accountable to him and I don't want to be. And so there's those kinds of questions. And again, that whole lingering Example of a transformed life that I knew I did not have, that my brother had, that just loomed over me through those years, those uh, three years before God finally uh, got a hold of me.
1: Have you ever thought, hypothetically speaking, what Wayne would have said to you in seeing your transition and, and then the
2: life change over the years? Yeah, uh, I think he would have been, you know, happy with it, of course, to have seen his, his brother and the legacy in many ways that he left in my life. Um, just similar to anyone you lead to Christ, um, how you just get so excited about the new direction God takes him, and that you had a just a part in that, and I'm sure that would have been... Uh, something that brought him great pleasure.
1: Wayne, Wayne Daggett planted seeds in the life of his younger brother, Bruce. We have Bruce Daggett with us. Bruce is a pastor, a co-pastor of Westgate Church in Weston, and today with a church that is very focused on missions. Bruce is also a person who loves basketball. Maybe touch a little bit on that when we come back. It's hard not to talk about basketball if you talk about UConn. You can find out more about Westgate Church at westgate-church.org. Bruce Daggett here with us. He harnessed his gifts. And when we come back from our break, you'll hear him talk about a calling to ministry. Okay, he was getting involved with crew, sort of slipped in there with former campus crusade for christ known today as crew but the lord who touched wayne was also touching him and the same lord that touched bruce daggett dear friend i believe is reaching out to touch you at this moment westgate-church.org stay with us we'll be right back wandering the road of desperate life, they must leave. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors. Thank you to Coach Dino Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers, Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. May Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A1A electrician, Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. If you, your business, or your church would like to support the Good Life with Dr. Danny, please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team, that's drdanny.live. Thank you.
0: You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today.
1: Pastor Bruce Daggett has harnessed his gifts and calling toward a focus on pastoral ministry for decades of his career, all the while attempting to remain open to God's leading as he has faithfully served the Lord. You're listening to the Good Life Program, Dr. Bruce Daggett, our guest today. Find out more at westgate-church.org. And if you're tuning in right now and maybe caught the tail end of the last segment, you can get this program in its entirety. Just go to drdanny.live, subscribe, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or on any major podcast platform and get these programs for yourself. Dr. Danny Live. What does
2: UConn basketball mean to you, Bruce? Well, I follow it very closely. During my time at UConn, they were part of the Yankee Conference, so they had not joined the Big East yet. They were not uh, a powerhouse like they are today. An inter- interesting part of the story is that Um, I played ball for the Hartford branch of the University of Connecticut for a couple of years. And so when my boys were in high school in the early 2000s when UConn, both the men and women, were winning national championships, they used to tell their friends that their dad captained UConn's basketball team. Uh, They didn't say the Hartford branch. Uh, and so they've really impressed their friends.
1: Well, that was partially true, right? <laughs> I mean, they were, they were uh, you know, young people do a lot of things to, 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 to gain to gain favor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did God call you to pursue full-time vocational ministry?
2: Well, shortly after I came to Christ, I mean, He had such an incredible impact on my life, and He hit me at a time when. I didn't know what my future was as well because um, it was during Vietnam and they had the draft and we had draft numbers. And my draft number was picked number one. So I knew after my college affirmative was finished, I'd be going off to the service. And I didn't really have plans for my future because I thought that, you know, the military had plans for my future. And then the draft ended. January of my senior year, and it might be one of the reasons for the free-floating anxiety, because I came to Christ in March. I had considered going to master's of social work, uh, but when I came to Christ and got more and more involved, I just felt I wanted to put my life into vocational Christian ministry. I didn't know what that was yet, in what direction it would go, but I did within a month of my salvation say i want to be vocational
1: what was it in you was there a pull in you did you see some kind of overlap in your passion or gifting that other people recognize in you that you thought led to ministry or something
2: else well i would say you know the passion for vocational was just there the spirit driven of where i was going to end up vocationally uh had a little bit of a journey in the different churches I was in. And uh, I became, I joined the VISTA Volunteers, which is like AmeriCorps, back in the 1960s. And I was in northwest Arkansas, and I would be a part of smaller churches. And I had lots of opportunity to do things. In fact, I was only a year old in the Lord when, um, with the pastor of one of the churches, when his father was ill, he had me preaching. And I was like, not that I was that good, but God opened that door. And uh, when I came back to Connecticut after that year, and I was just encouraged by pastors in Springdale, Arkansas, pastors in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, a pastor in uh, New Hartford, Connecticut, uh, to pursue the ministry. not quite sure what they saw in me, but.
1: What is one thing you remember most about your ministry at Crewe?
2: at crew it was the when they take you and basically say model for you how to speak to somebody about christ and then send you off and you go speak to somebody about christ and god opened doors for, for that yeah
1: were there circumstances bruce as a child that predisposed you to the work of ministry
2: well, I would say the opposite was um, I was a part of a church, and so when they'd have Children's Day at the church, I might read scripture or something, and my grandmother would come for that, and she'd tell everyone, Bruce, he's going to be a minister one day. And my response was, I never told her. I said, no no way, never. So no predisposition.
1: What are some of the most fulfilling aspects of Pastoral
2: ministry. Mm. Well, it's conversations with people, whether it's in Bible studies, in counseling, where you gives you the right words. You often enter those situations saying, "I, I don't know what I'm going to say," but the Lord does store up a treasure chest when you're in His Word, and uh, the Spirit of God just brings wisdom sometimes that uh, just inspire people or uh, give them a different perspective that uh, kind of puts a lift to their lives.
1: A timely word. Yes. In the moment Mm -hmm. that you could not have prepared for. Exactly. You couldn't have thought about it ahead of time. Just things in the moment.
2: Yes. Mm. And I tell people, if, if you're in the word, Don't worry about it. Whether it's in a spiritual conversation with a believer or somebody who doesn't yet know the Lord, um, the Spirit of God brings the right words up. Let's
1: take a little more time on this because you're, you're describing what it means to experience having the Spirit who lives in you guide you in a conversation that you're in. How does God speak to you in that way, one may ask?
2: Yes, well, you know, as Ephesians says, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And so it's that Word that has given you, you know, a person a more eternal and divine perspective. And so you carry that into these conversations to try to help that person kind of step out of the here and now and the pain of the moment to a a more eternal perspective a more divine perspective of god's sovereignty working all things together for good Um, i like to use the story of joseph because if you see the story of joseph um, you see how god took every moment that looked so bad and put it together and each of those bad moments was a stepping stone to the end of the story i like to tell it give a children's a, uh, illustration um i was giving one in the church one day and i had a puzzle and i took i said we're going to make this puzzle and the kids are around me and i take a picture a piece of the puzzle and say that's beautiful and i put it down on the table and then I take the next one and I say, Oh, this is dark. I don't like it. And I'd throw it out. And the kids would scream, You can't do that. And I said, oh, I don't like it. It's ugly. So I take another beautiful, beautiful, start putting the pieces. Oh, I don't like this one. It's ugly. And the kids are screaming. And I do that a couple times. And I stop and I say, So, um, what, what's wrong? I don't like those pieces. I want my puzzle just to have these pretty pieces. And I expected them to say, You can't complete the puzzle without all the pieces, you need those too. But I had one girl that was sharper than me, about a third grader, and she said, don't you know when the puzzle's completed, even the ugly pieces become beautiful? And if you look like at the story of Joseph, you see that exactly. Joseph ended up in Pharaoh's court, saving the world from a famine. How did he get there? Well, he had to be in Egypt. How did he get to Egypt? Ugly piece. His brothers sold him into slavery. Okay. Therefore, how how did he, uh, he had to meet the Pharaoh. How did he meet the Pharaoh? Well, he was in prison. How did he get into prison? Well, Potiphar's wife lied about him. So now he's in prison. Well, why was he there when the Pharaoh had the dream? Because the cupbearer forgot to tell Pharaoh I know a guy who can interpret dreams. You should let him go. And so these three ugly pieces that we all would say God's left Joseph were the stepping stones to put him precisely where he was. So even the ugly pieces become beautiful when God's completed the picture. I love talking with you, Bruce,
1: because you, you think from a biblical perspective. The Word of God has been so deeply moving in your heart after all these years and you process your, your own life and your own perspective in that way, a biblical perspective. And I can see how the Lord speaks through you in such moments, moments when you're having a conversation with somebody. Describe a lesson you've learned as a leader in your pastoral career?
2: I think uh, the lesson is being, being part of the church. Um, working together as a team and utilizing everyone's gifts, giving them opportunity uh, and learning from them as you also teach them.
1: You talk about learning as well as teaching you talk about collaboration you might not have used yeah. exactly that, that same word but that's the, the essence that's a, of, yes. of the, the gathering together being part of the church when we come back Bruce, let's talk about the the way your ministry is structured Bruce, Pastor Bruce Daggett is a co-pastor at Westgate Church in Weston Mass a church strong with a focus on missions He'll share about his leadership, more about the way things are operating at the church and doing church together, collaboration, yes, that, and more. Stay with us. We'll be right back. On
0: behalf of Danny Yamashiro Ministries, Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny weekdays at 6 p.m. on WEZE and visiting drdanny.live for more resources. My dear friend, it is because of listeners and donors like you that we are able to spread the message of Jesus' love and bring hope to people like you, your family, and friends. Proverbs 11.25 says, He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Will you prayerfully consider donating to Danny Yamashiro Ministries so that we may continue to broadcast the gospel so believers will be built up and non-believers may form a relationship with Jesus Christ? Visit drdanny.live to make a financial contribution today. That's drdanny.live. And thank you again for supporting The Good Life with Dr. Danny. May God richly bless you with The Good Life. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Pastor
1: Bruce Daggett, yes, he's a co-pastor at Westgate Church in Weston Mass, a church focused on missions. He's also served as a VISTA volunteer in Northwest Arkansas he has also been an adjunct professor of counseling at the Seminary of the East and Spokesperson for the parents Rights bill in Massachusetts. Bruce Daggett is with us. You can find out more about his ministry his church westgate-church dot org You mentioned before our break about pastoring leadership being there collaboration Share a bit about the way your leadership is structured at Westgate.
2: Okay, so uh, we have elder leadership and the, the pastors, the full-time uh, pastors. Whether you're a, a lead pastor or an associate, you are an el- automatically an elder. In our case, we have two co-pastors, not a single lead pastor. We also have an uh, assistant pastor um, part-time music and part-time uh, over some of our children's ministry. and uh, But it's really elder-led, uh, though we kind of offer the vision and how we get to that vision, and then we collaborate with the elders about them and also they do a lot of collaboration with uh, our deacons and our missions board Uh, they'd never really pull rank although they could but uh, we try to just collaborate 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 understand until we come to a conclusion that's mutual between all the all, all the boards.
1: What were the circumstances that led to the structure that you function in now Elder-led, but co-pastors, so yeah. you and Pastor Travis Vaklavik.
2: Okay, yes. Uh, so we traditionally had the lead pastor and then associates, and I was an associate pastor. And Travis had been a, a youth pastor while he was going to Gordon-Conwell. And when our lead pastor left, we asked him to stay on as an associate, um, interim associate, just to help lead the ministry through our interim period and then we did a search a pastoral search which was very flawed and we ended up with one candidate that it all fell apart at the end and a big part of it was the flaws in our search process and so the elders realized that they needed to reboot everything and so Travis and I were realizing that we were going to be interims for probably a couple more years and The church couldn't just uh, tread water. And so we put together a plan of moving our church forward and being more of a missional church, outreach oriented, and more of a discipleship oriented church. And we presented that to the elders simply, this is where we need to go while we do our next pastoral search. The elders essentially looked at that plan and said, you know, we haven't seen this from any of our candidates. They, you know, this is great you know and they first said travis would you want to consider being lead pastor and he said no then he said bruce would you consider being lead pastor i said no uh and then we came together and said but together we each have strengths where the other has weaknesses and we had worked together already for six months we knew we could work together in these roles and so we said yes we would accept that the idea of being co-pastors looking back and having
1: some space in between how would you assess the way things are
2: working out i i would recommend it i mean most churches already have a single lead pastor and i'm not saying uh have a coup and have co-pastors but if if you ever get into a, in an interim situation like that, and there's tremendous benefits of the co-pastoring. What about Uh humility and
1: leadership? It it just strikes me as something that would be hard. The the senior pastor personality Hmm. type, it seems like that would be a hard thing to do. If you could speak to that a bit.
2: Well, maybe neither Travis nor I have that senior pastor personality I mean, and whatever that is yeah yes yeah. it's, it's a bit um, um, murky but it exists yeah, yeah. you know and, and I say very often it's it's a product of the church's response to the lead pastor more than the the character of the lead pastors I mean you can have very humble lead pastors but churches exalt them and um, I think in the co-pastor role and often that, that that lifting up of this lead pastor is, uh, the other pastors are just less considered. Uh, all the focus is on the lead. And so with the co-pastoring, uh, there is no focus that way. And so we find that uh, it has an impact throughout the church. One, for our our assistant, Eric Campos, I think, Most people see him as just one of three pastors, you know, almost equal, which is incredible and wonderful that he gets that same kind of respect. Um, Also, the elders feel more empowered as we work very closely with them because sometimes we have two different ideas coming at them. And so they feel more empowered. And I think people in the church see that this is this is not one person leading the show, one person determining where everything's going to go. We can have a voice. And we see a number of people saying, hey, can we do this? Can we do that? Um, and so it just that attitude of togetherness, of teaming, just filters throughout the church. You put
1: others... As Philippians two, when the apostle Paul speaks of putting others more important, considering others more important than yourself, you're doing that in your daily ministry life.
2: Um, yeah, I'm hesitating on that because uh, I think there's it continues to be a selfishness in in all of us. Um, And, uh, I do really want people to have that voice to, to blossom. Um, I just, I just hesitate to say with the Knosis passage, which you just preached at Westgate on Sunday, uh, that, that incredible sacrifice in, of Jesus Christ, um, And certainly considering others more important than himself, I don't think I've made that kind of sacrifice. Uh, And so I hesitate on on that, yeah. How did you meet Karen? Well, I met Karen, an interesting story. I was a single pastor in Watertown, and we had a a couple of single women who had come over from uh, Newton Presbyterian Church and sort of become a part of us, and my a lot of my board was single at the time as well. We were a smaller church, and uh, so we'd hang out together, and they would often talk about this woman who was at Harvard. They wanted me to meet, and um, but it never never happened. And so one day we moved them from Watertown to Belmont, and we were having pizza, and they started the story again. Oh, we'd like you to meet so-and-so, so and I'm like, when? 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 And they said, oh, we don't know, and I said, you just moved, you have a housewarming party, you invite them, and you invite us. And they did that, and Karen was at that, and she, she had actually, she was in the process of leaving Boston. Uh, Boston College had asked her to coordinate Intermediate Spanish, and she had turned it down, and um, she was exploring a crew ministry in Washington, D.C. with uh, Latinos. And she just came back. She was tired, but she thought, okay, it's just, she thought it was just for women. And it wasn't. And, and we met at that party, and I pursued her in uh, kind of stealthish ways. And then uh, she was looking for a Bible study in the summer because their church shut down their Bible studies. We had one. She had no car. I lived close by. And so we did a lot of time together. And then uh, things clicked and she accepted the position at Boston College and has been there ever since.
1: Together, you and Karen have a great emphasis on prayer. How did that grow in you over the years?
2: Oh, I would say it's Karen. Karen is um, just so, so engaged in prayer and in corporate prayer. And so she's the inspiration and then we we have a couple other men at church who were really wanting to see prayer flourish in our church and so we formed a prayer team and started uh, seeing how we could enhance the prayer ministry in the church created a, a room got a room at the church for a prayer room that speaks you know to the congregation of hey we we value prayer there was always a Sunday morning prayer that like three people showed up at. Um, now that we're on Zoom, we've got 12. And then a Tuesday morning prayer that started at our house that has, has grown. You've been a part of that. Um, and again, when we went to Zoom, it, it, it allowed people to not have to travel great distances in the height of traffic to come to the prayer meeting, and so that's grown a lot. And
1: when we come back, let's let's spend some time talking about challenging times people face challenging times that's something that we speak to on a regular basis because someone is always going through something and the Lord does not distance himself does he Bruce from us during those times but he often shows up all the more Mm -hmm. in a very special way dear friend as you listen to Bruce Daggett today that's God's heart for you. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Wondering the road of desperate life They must beneath the
2: barren sky
1: Hi, this is Danny Yamashiro. A police officer found a girl crying on the sidewalk one day. What's wrong, he asked. I'm lost, she said. Do you have your parents' phone number, he asked. No, she said. What about your address? No. She began to sob suddenly she stopped and her eyes brightened what happened the officer asked i remember she said there's a church near my house and at the top of the church there's a cross take me to the cross take me to the cross because when i see the cross i'll be able to find my way home my friend if you feel like you've lost your way turn to the cross cross of Jesus Christ, who died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. Will you turn to Jesus? Open your heart to Him, and find your way home to God.
0: You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today.
1: Pastor Bruce Daggett, along with pastors Travis Vaklavik and Eric Campos, lead a growing church in uh, the highly regarded area called Weston in Greater Boston Just a reminder to follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and major podcast platforms. Subscribe to the show and the podcast will come straight to you on a daily basis. Again, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, drdanny.live. Bruce, we talked about how collaboration has been a vital part in this season of the life of Westgate Church personally now how has the Lord helped you through difficult times
2: well uh, certainly have a number of those one was when I was at Watertown and we had a church retreat and a boy just shy of his 18th birthday drowned on the retreat Uh, he was a friend of one of the teens in our church his Parents didn't come to the church and so that was a very very difficult time of course they were very distressed they were angry at the church um, angry at me Um, and so that that was a hard time they I ended up doing the funeral they asked me to do the funeral so you know emotionally they would go in and out with me as I tried to be there for them Um, and I think we had a good good help from a friend of mine who's a counselor uh, to kind of bind the church together around that pain and um, just be able to trust the Lord through that. I'd say another time is in the work of Westgate. We, we were struggling. We were having a lot of tension within the church, and we brought in a, a consulting firm to look at the church, and they asked us to make some real hard take a real hard look at ourselves they had 13 points about weaknesses within the church and one of them was to, to ask the lead pastor to 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 lead, resign very very hard um but i think the the lord brought in an intentional interim who really helped i think the church establish a, a vision forward also really taught about the difference between humility and pride um and of course, we were very humbled, and so that was incredible. Uh, I think the Lord br- bringing us through those kinds of things, bringing me through my periods of failure, uh, brings us really to the essence and the core quality of Jesus Christ and being humility. Uh, not that. We've we chose the path of humility. We we're forced down the road of humility, and then the question is, can you stay there when things get better? And I think for me, it's always a you know I can keep in the back of my mind, and a little bit as almost a thorn in the flesh, like Paul had, where um, remembering your failures, not basking in them, but remembering them. And remembering that the Lord is the one who brought you out of those um, can keep us from, you know, falling back into them. Yeah.
1: You mentioned two events, one with the 18-year-old that passed. How did God give you grace to go through that?
2: Oh, um, well, one the church body was going through it together, and uh, you know I had support from them, and then I, I think the way the Lord worked in the couple again it was back and forth emotionally with them. Sometimes they'd really appreciate my presence; other times they'd be damning. And I think it was just uh, you know keeping your your eyes on the fact that God is in control. You know, that story of Joseph that I told you, uh, that that stays with me, and I just have to say this looks like a bad time, like Joseph being sold into Egypt, or bad time when there's an unfair response to you and you're thrown in prison. Uh, But God is sovereign and he's piecing it all together. And the main thing, too, is when I look at Romans 8.28, and it said, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And the question, I remember hearing this at chapel and, uh seminary, what is the good God's working things toward? It isn't the good you think you want. It's God's good. And if you desire what's best for God even what you over what you think is best for yourself you know God's moving the train of life in that direction to his glory so if you unite with God's glory everything in life is is heading that direction
1: in the church situation the church being very humbled as you described how did
2: God give you strength in that again I think um, I think the unintentional interim was brought in David Brooks is his name um, you know brought me really close to into leadership at that point um, so that we I could see what he was doing and how that could lead us forward and so I got on board with the, everything you know let's start emphasizing prayer let's um, uh, set forth the vision let's preach on the holy spirit and the kingdom of god things that that were not emphasized at westgate church and so uh, as i dove more deeply into those things i could see god moving through the church and that was encouraging
1: did you ever did you ever feel discouraged to the point where you, you questioned your calling or had a feeling of wanting to somehow escape or even just give up in, in, in the work that God has called you to do? And the reason I ask, yes. Bruce, is perhaps someone today mm-hmm. might be in a place like that. So just a, a
2: thought. Yeah, um, I think sometimes when you, you look at your own personal weaknesses, um, you you do say, okay, I've, I don't feel worthy of the ministry. You don't feel worthy of the ministry. Um, I think one of the experiences I had after I left uh, Watertown, you know, I was doing a lot of searching, I was searching for churches. And I had three churches that had uh, called me to come that I turned down, and then a fourth church that I thought was a perfect fit turned me down. And I ended up going to a church that, well, I felt at that time that God, God was maybe saying to me, boy, you're full of yourself, Bruce. You know, so I'll show you the one you want. And so the next church I didn't think was a good match, but. I just felt maybe I'm just being too full of myself and feel I'm too good or something and I accepted the church and it completely imploded immediately and I only stayed there a month and I think at that time um, that was one of the times it was like you know am i am I really uh, what God needs? <laughs> In the ministry. Um,
1: A word of encouragement to someone who might be in that place today.
2: I'd say that uh, cling close to Christ, abide in Christ. Uh, Put yourself at the foot of the cross, feel the compassion, the love of Christ, listen to his voice. And uh, if he's called you, and you, you know, you're there because you feel he did call you, uh, God can make everything new. A prayer for a dear
1: one who may be at that point or someone in a life situation that's really tough right now. A prayer for them.
2: Our Father, you know what's going on, what has gone on, and the impact of that right now on various people that they might be questioning themselves, they may be questioning your love. Do bring them to the cross of Jesus Christ. May they see him in his humiliation. May they hear his voice say, Father, forgive them. May they hear his voice say, Father, forgive Uh, My God, my God, why have you separated me? Knowing that that was our sin that separated him. But then hearing the words, it is finished, paid in full. And then go to the tomb and see that it's empty. See Jesus in his glory. And see Jesus saying, this is the path for you. Death to the old self, resurrection to the new self in Jesus Christ. It's possible Christ has done it because what Christ has done for us, what he has gone through in death and resurrection, he offers to each of us new life. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Bruce, thank you. Well, Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for your Christ-centeredness.
2: Well, thank you for, uh, for having me. Yeah.
1: Ho- sure. Hope-filled words hope-filled words from pastor bruce daggett westgate-church.org my friend god's timing is perfect and there's no better time than right now to share the love of christ with someone near you and if you haven't done so look this may be that perfect moment for you to open your heart to jesus would you do that go to dr for more resources to reach family and friends Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and major podcast platforms. Psalm 98, verse 1. Sing a new song to the Lord, for He has done wonderful deeds. It's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to Dr. Bruce Daggett, westgate-church.org. Until next time, along with my producer, David Nasora, creative director, Brian Torres, web designer, Shina Kusumoto, social media director, Luke Yamashiro, and guest coordinator, Jan Yi. I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember, the Lord is with you as you share the love of Jesus with someone today.
0: Thank you for listening to today's broadcast